Hello everyone, welcome to the Extra Rounds Podcast with Mike and Elias. It's just Elias here today, no Mike Dice. That was, uh, that was planned, we knew Mike was going to be able to make it in. And no Jimmy, those of you who watched last week's episode, listened to last week's episode, knew we had a guest co-host, my teammate from TDC MMA here in Chicago, Jimmy O'Shea. We expected Jimmy, he at the last minute wasn't able to, uh, to make it as planned. So it's just going to be me rocking it, and we will have a, uh, a guest later in the episode, UFC lightweight star and UFC bonus all-time leader Joe Lozon, who's got a fight coming up next month. Really excited to talk with him. Not only does Joe have a fight, he's got a fight on the same event as one of his heroes, BJ Penn, and he's got a fight against a phenomenal opponent, another exciting submission artist, and Marcin Held. So that's going to be a blast. We're excited to have uh, Joe on. But yeah, just until Joe gets on, it's going to be me and uh, off-camera our, our guy Richard, who's, uh, who does the heavy lifting here for us. Excited to be on. I, uh, I don't believe in curses. Like I'm not a superstitious guy. But we started the show in July, and then boom, five months later, my co-host Mike Dice has outpatient surgery. We have Jimmy O'Shea, co-guest uh, host. And he's out. I don't know. He had some some pipes burst or something in uh, in his apartment. So I don't know. We don't have a we don't have a uh, like a Madden uh, Madden cover curse or Sports Illustrated uh, uh, cover curse. But uh, there might be a, a cepeda curse here. I, I hope not. I, I can't be doing this solo every week. But I am excited to have the guests we have on. Excited to have you guys watching this show. I've got a number of things to discuss before we have Joe Lozon on in about uh, ten minutes. Around 2.30 Central Standard Time. There was a UFC this past weekend. And it's, it was a card that got a lot of flack. It had a, uh, a lot of, basically a lot of difficulty. It was, it was in Toronto. Huge, huge arena in Toronto. If you remember the first time the UFC held an event in, in that arena in Toronto, they had George St. Pierre fight Jake Shields. They set all sorts of records for attendance. George St. Pierre, former welterweight champion, is, is one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in MMA history. It was a big deal. opened up the Canadian market uh, on the whole and did really well. This event, George wanted to make his comeback. He hasn't fought since 2013. He wasn't able to come to terms with the UFC. George wasn't on the card. Then they were going to have a light heavyweight championship with the champion Daniel Cormier taking on challenger Anthony Johnson in a rematch of their thrilling first fight where Daniel Cormier managed to win the fight despite uh, getting knocked silly early on by a power puncher, Rumble Johnson. Then a few weeks before UFC 206, that fight fell through. So what we were left with is UFC 206 was a card full of great matchups with a dearth of star power, however. No real big draws. I don't know what the numbers were um, for, for, this, for this event. I don't know how well it sold. But the fighters on UFC 206 certainly performed. It was one of the best cards in recent memory. The main event was an interim. I'm not going to go into the inexplicability of the interim tags for featherweight titles and all the nonsense in the male division going on right now in the UFC. But it was an interim, officially an interim featherweight championship fight between Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis. A great fight that saw Max Holloway extend his win streak to an amazing 10 over former lightweight champion Anthony Pettis. Super exciting. We had Choi versus Swanson, one of the best fights of the year in terms of raw action and, and violence. Just back and forth uh, brutality. Feel bad for both guys, but certainly um, uh, 
proud of them as well. The, the type of conditioning and bravery and skill they exhibited, that was off the hook. And just so many other fights. Donald Cerrone being able to take out Matt Brown with a crazy switch kick uh, uh, head kick counter off of a, a jab after a, a great two rounds, two and a half rounds prior to that. Just a phenomenal card. So that's a, that's a real lesson, you know. I'm not I'm not suggesting everyone go out and splurge and spend sixty sold dollars on their own for every UFC pay pay per view event, regardless of whether it has your favorite fighters on it. But you never know which card is going to end up being great. So you might want to split it up between a few friends or go to a bar and watch it because. You know, even without these so-called big names, these cards can really, really perform. And UFC 206 was was one of those examples. Uh, we also had uh, a little f- fun event, not a little event, but a fun not MMA event um, this past weekend. The day after UFC 206 was a submission underground, submission grappling uh, second event. This is a, uh, a really cool submission grappling event. And when I say submission grappling, you want to think of MMA without the punches, without the kicks, without the elbows. The submission part, the rustling part, the takedowns, the slams, the chokeholds, the arm locks, the leg locks, that type of stuff, right? So that's the rules we're dealing with on an open, um, in a cage as well. Uh, this is an event that Chael Sonnen, former uh, two-time world title challenger Chael Sonnen, has put together with Flow Grappling, a really cool subscription-based uh, website out there that is affiliated with Flow Sports or part of Flow Sports. It has Flow Wrestling and Flow MMA. A lot of our friends over there um, do great work there on the editorial side, but they put on these really cool events as well. This was one of them, and it had uh, several UFC fighters or retired UFC fighters on the card. It had Jessica I going up against Misha Tate. Misha Tate just retired, and she's a former champion. She'd also fought Jessica I, had a close decision win over her. They rematched under submission grappling rules. Uh, Eddie Bravo, Invitational-type rules, and uh, it was a really good fight. It was a really good match. No one got a submission, and Misha Tate ended up winning on escape time, which means um, there was no points in the match, but they, they went into an overtime rounds, and, and she won based on how quickly she had escaped uh, Jessica I's submissions. And in the main event of Submission Underground 2, we had the matchup that fight fans have been waiting for four years. John Jones versus Nan Henderson. These two were supposed to fight back in 2012, 2011. You guys remind me. I know it was in the fall. Dan Henderson was supposed to challenge John Jones for his light heavyweight title at the time in the UFC. Pulled out really close to the event with a knee injury. The event ended up being scrapped. John Jones ended up fighting later on, Chael Sonnen, uh, instead of Dan Henderson. And the two never met in MMA. Dan Henderson recently challenged Michael Bisping, the UFC's middleweight champion, in a fight that I certainly scored for Dan Henderson. A great fight nonetheless, um, even though the judges uh, didn't see it the, the way I did. Michael Bisping defended the belt, but uh, Henderson really acquitted himself well for a guy in his late 40s, for a, a guy, period. Uh, a phenomenal former two weight class division champion, just like Conor McGregor uh, is now. Dan Henderson gave it all he got. He lost the decision, and he retired. But he was back in competition at over 205 against John Jones. Fun match. The guys didn't look like they took it like super intensely. John Jones ended up putting Henderson on his back and finishing with an arm triangle choke. It was a fun time. Uh, those are always, uh, you know, good, uh, good to watch. I was really, I was surprised, I guess, a little bit by the lack of intensity in in the matchup. I think Jones maybe just maybe they were they were intense, but Jones just had a lot, was able to exert way too much control um, given his his size advantage um, but it was an interesting match and I, I think 
It's fun to see MMA fighters experiment in the jiu-jitsu world. John Jones immediately afterwards said he wanted to do another match in January against Charles Sonnen. Uh, Luke Rockhold got on Twitter, a former UFC middleweight champion, and challenged John Jones to a grappling match uh, as well, a submission grappling match. So it's it's a fun way. It's you know compared to MMA where you're getting punched and kicked, um, submission grappling is a relatively safe way for really top athletes to still try to go out there and and best one another with more options available to them than in just wrestling. You can actually do submissions and, and things of that nature. So those are fun. I, I think, you know, if, if you haven't watched one of those before, definitely recommend them. They're, they're a good time, and especially when there's uh, MMA, your favorite MMA fighters on the card. It, it's, it, it's a good time to see what they can do um, just specifically on the match, specifically with, uh, with wrestling. One other development that happened just basically Tuesday night. Today is Wednesday. We're live here on Wednesday afternoon at uh, Fansided Headquarters in Chicago. Tuesday evening, the UFC announced that finally, finally, finally they are introducing a women's featherweight division. Now, there is a women's featherweight division, 145 pounds. There has been for years. And the, the queen of that division, the championship for that, of that division, has for years been Chris Cyborg Justino. Many of you may have become uh, familiar with Cyborg because she, she fought twice for the UFC in the past year. Did big, big numbers as well. Um, she main evented her last fight in September, late September, against Lena Landsberg. And I think at the time had and might still be standing the, the, fourth, the fourth highest ratings of any UFC um, on uh, FS1 event of, of the year. Cyborg is a big star. She's been, she fought on national television against Gina Carano years, years before Ronda Rousey and other women were allowed into the UFC. Uh, she fought on Showtime uh, for years as well for promotions like Strike Force, Elite XC, um, fought on CBS. She's a big star. She's an international star. She always pulls big traffic numbers on the web, as those of us in, in that business can, can attest to. Um, and she pulls big television ratings. She, her, the numbers in America were dwarfed by the television ratings for her last fight in Brazil, which is a huge burgeoning market. Um, so the UFC finally announced that they would do a featherweight title fight, have that featherweight division that Cyborg has been campaigning for so hard because her first two fights were not at featherweight. The UFC uh, made her cut down to arbitrarily to a, a catchweight of 140 pounds, which there is no there is no division anywhere for that. And she fought undersized women at a division that doesn't exist and nearly killed herself uh, twice trying to make weight. She did make weight. She won those fights. The UFC announced featherweight division yesterday, Tuesday evening. Chris Cyborg Justino is not in that match. They're doing a title fight between Holly Holm, former Bantamweight champion, and um, I'm going to butcher her name sadly, and she's one of my favorite fighters to watch, Jermaine Durandamy, who has won two straight, four of her last five, I believe. Um, and that's going to be for a so-called vacant UFC title. Here's the important thing, important takeaway. I won't dwell on this too much. That UFC featherweight title at UFC 208, I believe, in Brooklyn, early next year, in 2017, that UFC championship is not going to be the world championship. The world champion at featherweight is Chris Cyborg Justino. She was offered um, two opponents for that event. She was on vacation at the time. After a brutal weight cut, she asked for some more time. She wanted to do the fight at a later date. The UFC decided instead to go ahead with the division and with a title without her. Instead of making this fight a number one contender's fight, the winner 
getting Cyborg, they're going to go ahead and make the winner of this fight the champion, which is a really strange thing. Cyborg Justino sent word to us last night. Kemp sent a statement to us saying that, and you could read the full statement at MixedMartialArts.com right now in a, a story I wrote this morning, but she basically said she believes the decision was made because of personal animosity between Dana White and herself. And before you think she's being conspiratorial, Dana White has said flat-out misogynistic things about her in the past, and they had insisted up until this week that there weren't enough women to do a 145-pound weight class. It's something Mike and I have spoken a lot about on the show, and um, then they go ahead and make it when she turned down those fights. That's not the way you treat a champion, I guess is my point. The champion, reigning champion, who most recently fought in September, if she can't make a certain date, and you need a women's title fight suddenly at that a weight class that you insist and shouldn't exist in the UFC ranks, you can make it a number one contender fight. You can con- go ahead and continue to introduce the division and the champion, and 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 you know fight whenever she's ready, assuming it's at a it's at a reasonable time. Instead, they go ahead and, and just act as if her, her world championship uh, doesn't exist. That's a problem. Uh, that's, it's a really strange, strange move and part of the UFC, but it's, it's becoming uh, a commonplace thing more and more. So Holly Holm lost her last two fights. Now she's going to be fighting for the, a world title again. That's a very strange thing. Um, it was kind of strange. Anthony Pettis, as much as we love and respect him, as great of a fighter he is, he had lost... Um, he, won, he had a one-fight winning streak to get this interim championship fight, which happened after the UFC stripped Conor McGregor of his featherweight title, which at the t- he, had, he hadn't, hadn't even been a year since he won the title at that point. So strange directions the UFC is taking things. Um, maybe there's a common thread between them. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But all around some strange moves, this one being the, the, the most offensive one. Dana White came out and said that this move wasn't personal. It was just business. But it certainly is a departure from what they've done in the past. In the past, when the UFC had taken over contracts of uh, fighters from other organizations, like they did with Invicta, where Cyborg is the champion, uh, and what they did with the WEC or Strike Force, the champions of divisions that they absorbed, they gave them the title automatically. Not only did they give them a, a title fight in their first fight, they were the defending champion. Case in point with Ronda Rousey coming from Strike Force or Jose Aldo coming from the WEC. They deserve that. There is a world outside of the UFC, especially when the UFC doesn't and didn't recognize many worthy divisions. And it's, uh, it's, it's a real departure here from, from past patterns and a real disrespect to a current world champion. It's, it's a real shame. Uh, unfortunately, that's the direction they're heading. Um, it's something we definitely want to hear you guys take on. It's something that's being written about uh, a bit at fansighted.com, so you want to stay with the coverage there. Again, we have uh, exclusive word um, in an interview uh, a story I did at MixedMartialArts.com as well. You can check that out on the uh, on the UG. We're going to give a call to UFC lightweight Joe Lowe's on here in just a moment. See if he's around as uh, a schedule or if the, uh, the spate of curse got him as well. Joe uh, is coming off of a, a controversial decision loss to Jim Miller after a really great fight. These two fought years ago. Uh, a close, bloody fight. Joe lost a decision. They rematched this year. Joe came on the show with Mike and I uh, months ago after his win at UFC 200 over Diego Sanchez this past summer in July, and he was looking forward to this fight against Jim Miller. It turned out to be a great fight, and one that was a lot less close, I feel, than their first fight, and uh, one that I, I, I 
believe Mike, as well as myself, scored for Joel for whatever that's worth. Um, the fight actually went to Jim Miller. So we were deprived of a rubber match between these two great fighters. Um, Joel's getting right back on the horse, took a fight on relatively short notice. going to be fighting January 15th in Phoenix, Arizona against Marcian Held, a UFC newcomer who's a beast of a kid, though. He's young. He's got pretty good size at him, and he's got phenomenal submissions. One of the things that Joe Lozon is, is most known for. So that's going to be a, a really interesting fight. I'm going to go ahead and, if you all don't mind bearing with me, we're going to give Joe a call and see if he's around. If he is, we'll jump into that conversation. Joe, it's Elias. You're live, sir. What's going on? How you doing, brother? It was going to be me and Jimmy, I told you. For our listeners, Joe's actually met my teammate, uh, Jimmy O'Shea, in the past. Joe, you came and visited us uh, back in 2012 and did a little training, and, and Jimmy got to roll with you, which he was thrilled to do. But Jimmy had an emergency, so it's just me solo today. Okay. <laughs> but thanks for being on, man. It's it's been a while. We haven't talked to you since before the uh, the Jim Miller fight. Um, excited to talk to you about the next fight. I know I've talked you and I have talked a little bit offline about it, but I want to go back to the last fight. So the posi- the positive was it was a great fight. It was phenomenal. Everyone was hoping it would be another great fight, like the first time you and Jim Miller fought, and it was. It was a really good one. The 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 negative, at least. Um, and your on your side of things was that the decision didn't go your way, and I was just describing it as a pretty controversial decision. Uh, I thought it was a bad decision. Um, were you surprised? Yeah. Were you surprised that you didn't get the nod? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was really surprised. I, I felt like uh, Jim hit me like it was like one of the first shots he landed the entire fight. It was in like the very first round, and I felt like that was the only time he really hit me that was like good. You know, I felt like you know. Uh, on the feet was like very very even you know could have gone you know one way or the other just barely but I had like a bunch of takedowns I was on top for like we're on the ground for you know almost half the fight I was on top every second like uh, I I thought for sure you know I I went for submission at the end I thought I was pretty close on a couple things like uh, I I thought it should have gone my way you know I I went back and and watched it again like so many times I still think every single time it should have gone my way even being like super harsh on myself Um, but you know, it, it, it's the way it goes, you know. Um, I was joking about the fact that basically, uh, you know, so Jim, Jim is, I love Jim, first of all. Jim is the man. Um, you know, but, like, basically the way that uh, my fight went with him was very similar but flipped how Jim's fight went against Tiago Wilde. Hmm. You know, I felt like Tiago was getting the best of the stand-up by a little bit, but Jim had a couple takedowns. He spent a little bit of time on top. And he got the decision there too. I'm like, I can't deal with this. Like, it's uh, it just it all it all comes down to just you know, uh, you know who the judges are that particular night. You know, and if if I wanted to win, I should I should have finished the fight somehow, some way. I don't know, but uh, it wasn't a lack of trying. It just you know came up came up short. Very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what I mean. You're you're a gracious dude, and you're talking about you know if you wanted to win, you should have finished him. Well, of course you wanted to win, uh, and, and fighters always want to win in there. Uh, at this level, you guys are not hesitant to fight, right? At this level, you all are are really really motivated to win. But you know, there's I've I talk about this a lot, Joe. There's structural constraints, especially if we're talking about a fight that largely happened on the ground. It, 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 you got five minutes to work with at most. If you take someone down in, in half a second, you got five minutes to work with. And people that don't 
don't fight may not understand how hard it is to completely finish someone on the ground uh, who's a world class person in that level of in that level of time. We take it for granted, but things didn't always weren't always this way. They don't always have to be this way. We can have longer rounds. You can have one big round. So. It's actually a tough thing to do within the constraints to, to kind of force the boxing model onto MMA to have these frequent breaks makes it tough to finish fights. And you're a finisher, and you finished as much uh, as just about anyone in history. I don't know exactly how, how how that happens. That's kind of crazy, but it's tough to finish fights. Do you, do you do you find that even though you've been so successful finishing fights, do you find that yeah, it is tough, and it's you know specifically if I had more time to work with, I, I think I could have gotten more finishes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, it's it, it's one of those things where I think that it, when I first started fighting, I think I was really known as like you know being like you know a maniac in the first round, like oh, if you all last year, then you know then you, you you're going to beat them later on in the fight. And uh, you know, so we try to really kind of amp it up and you know, amp up our cardio and stuff like that. But a lot of it comes down to pacing. You know what I mean? Like if I go like a complete madman in the first round, you know, I have, I have, that's my best chance of, of finishing the fight. But it's also the best chance to be getting tired and gassing. And I think, unfortunately, is 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 people are getting better and better. Guys are more focused on cardio and being able to go the entire time. And it's just, you know, given enough time, I think you know finishes definitely happen more. But it, it all comes down to you know, like you know, guys are guys are, are in really good shape now. You know, guys are not getting you know tired. You know, maybe before you know I pushed the pace in the first you know first round and I caught them somewhere in there. You know, because they got tired or they couldn't keep up or whatever. It's just. It's, it's really, really tough to finish guys, you know, and guys are just getting better defensively all the time. You know, I, I like to think that, you know, if I had a little bit more time on gym, if I had even like 20 seconds left at the end of that round and I knew what was going on, I could have maybe set up the arm lock a little bit better. But instead, it's like, you know, I hear like, you know, the 10 second warning, like, ah, oh, crap, you know, I, I got to just go. You know, and it was a, it was a terrible arm lock attempt. But if I had, you know, if I had a few more seconds to try and set up, you know, maybe it could have. Maybe could have won the fight. So what's well, kind of weird because um, you have to put yourself in a situation, Joe. Like you said, you hear the ten second mark. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but you kind of had to, you 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 showed an armbar attempt more than you really set one up the way you would ordinarily do because you you you've got to like at this point you guys are so aware even if you're not consciously of the judges you're in a position maybe where s- technique sometimes has to be sacrificed. Yep, absolutely. You know when I when I fought when I fought Jamie Varner. Which is a couple years ago now. You know, there, there was I think at the end of the, I was the end of the first round, or the end of the second, I think it was the end of the second round maybe. Uh, but I had it back, and you know, it's ten seconds left. You know, so like I know that yeah, I don't care if he's on top of me for a couple seconds. I know he's not going to hurt me. But I, I dove and I went for an arm lock. You know, from his back. You know, and it wasn't a very good attempt, but it was the best I could make. You know, best that happened with the time ahead. You know, if, if things lined up a little differently, you know, maybe I fixed that arm lock and I get a win. You know, if it doesn't work out the way and it didn't work out that way, you know, then he gets on top, but it's not a big deal. So, but it's it's definitely something we're always thinking about. Hmm. You know, but within a few seconds left, you just you got to just go for it. You know, and I think sometimes most fighters, I think, are play too safe, they're too cautious, where they just like, oh no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride this out. I'm gonna stay on top. You know, and it's just you're not rewarded for that. You should you should go for it all the time. How do you deal psychologically, Joe, with the fact that so much is, A, out of your control, at least once the fight goes to judges, and and bad decisions can happen, and B, that those bad decisions are tied to real material realities? Like, you know, if someone on the New England Patriots, or if the New England Patriots um, 
lose on a Sunday. It, you know, it, it could in some long way really affect everyone on the team's fortunes. Maybe they they lose out and you know in, in a spot in in uh, divisional standings. Or, uh, you know, it affects their their standing in 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 the playoffs, which can affect their chances at um, winning a title, which affects their chances of making more endorsement money. But they all have you know a great deal of guaranteed money, right? They're still they go out there and they compete, and they they know what they were going to make. They make it win or lose. Prize fighters like yourself are in a very different situation, where there's not a lot of guaranteed money. It, a lot of times it's split almost half and half, depending on you win or lose. How do you deal with that? And you, it's not it's nothing new for you. You've been doing this since you were a teenager. How do you rebound? How do you cope uh, with with rough things that aren't just rough psychologically, but end up affecting um you know things like earning power you know you, you've got a lot of responsibilities you got a family it's it's, a, it's it strikes me as a really tough situation uh to be in you know in that type of profession as a professional athlete price fighters are real distinct from other uh mainstream athletes in my opinion yeah i mean it it sucks you know what i mean uh it's it just it's unfortunate you know i try to i try to worry about and change and, and try to focus on things that i have influence on you know so in this case, you know, I, I can't do anything about the way the judges scored that fight. You know, I can try to be maybe be a little bit more aggressive in the future, but I'm already I'm already pretty much maxed out on aggression. But uh, but you know you know try a little bit more. Should we try to be a little bit faster about things? Um, you know, but I, I can't I can't change that last fight though. You know, that, it's unfortunate. You know, I think it should have gone the other way. It didn't go that way. But me crying about it does me no good. Mm. Me complaining about it does me no good. Me saying I should have won does me no good. I lost the fight. It, it, it all comes down to the way the judges score, you know. But there are big repercussions, you know. And I think people don't realize it so much. So um, I, I don't know how much people understand about contracts in the UFC, but typically the way it works out, uh, you get so much to show, so much to keep for, for a win, right? And your contract goes up when you win fights. And when you lose, it doesn't go down. It just stays where it is, right? So uh, I'll, I'll give you quick numbers. So for my last fight, I was 58-58. So I was 58,000 show and I was 58,000 for winning. Okay. If I won, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, not only does, so not only did I not get that, that win bonus, that $58,000, but for every fight going forward, I should have been the next tier up. I should have been the next step up, which I think in my case, I go from 58 up to, uh, I think 62. Hmm. So for every fight going forward, because of that one bad decision, it's costing me between four and $8,000 every time I fight. Um, so it's like, it, it's a big deal. So it cost me $58,000 that night, but then going forward for every fight that had the rest of my career, it cost me $4,000 when I lose and $8,000 when I win. So it's like, there's a lot to it, you know, and, and it's like, it's a big deal, you know? And I, I think that, you know, there's nothing that I can do to change this, but you'd have to hope that as the sport continues to get better, which it's always getting better. You just got to hope that there are better judges, uh, and, and things like that. Mm. So, um, told me, I have no idea how accurate this is. But that one of the judges uh, that were on the, 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 the judge my fight, uh, my fight with Jim Miller was the very first MMA fight they had ever scored. Not like not their first UFC fight, their first fight they've ever worked. So they had never worked on like a very small show, uh, you know, like local local level amateur guys, pro guys, whatever. Nope, right right to the UFC. You know, and that cost me, you know, not that one person on their own because you know it was a the way the decision was, but. It, you know, they definitely played a part of it, you know? Wow. And, um, like, I can't, I couldn't even imagine that happening in other sports. Can you imagine, like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to be a, a referee in football. 
like, oh, no, I'm not, you're not going to start, you know, and doing a high school football game. No, 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 no. You're going to go right to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you're going to go right to an NFL game, you know, like a championship, you know, whatever, division game or something. Wow. Like, that's so crazy to me about how that can happen, you know. And I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know, you know. But it's just, it's, it, it's really unfortunate because that, you know, that, that, that person cost me, you know, I think a lot of money. Hmm. You know, it's a, it's a lot of money. You know, you're, you're talking, you know, the penalty fight to have, you know, you're talking upwards of $100,000 or more, you know, over the course of over the course of my career. That's, it's tough. It's really crappy. Well, Joel, you know, you talked about some of the real challenges and real deficiencies in, like, the way the sport's regulated. You know, if that's true, if this was one of the judges' first MMA fight, uh, first MMA fights judge ever, that's... That's crazy, and that's a really telling and like good analogy you just drew there, right? And so there's, like you said, I don't know what you can do about that. Hopefully, it gets better over time. What about the other side of that, the contract? I would argue that the contracts you guys have are also kind of inconceivable in other sports that are on Fox, um, um, that are getting pulling in the type of money, um, you know, that that the UFC pulls in. The fact that you guys have, by and large, very little job security. So not only if you know if you if you lose your pay doesn't go up, but you could just be released. Um, you have very little in the way of. And correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. In, in the way of, and I'm not talking about Joe Lozon specifically. I'm talking about all UFC fighters, right? So I'm not I'm not talking about yep. your contract. But UFC fighters, by and large, can be cut anytime they have one loss. Randy Couture is my to my knowledge is one of his contracts. One of the first people to to ever push that and get get some type of exception on that years and years ago, I think when he was heavyweight champion the first time, first uh, one or two times. And um, you don't have much in job security. You don't have much in guaranteed money and just not that much money to say nothing of the fact that you guys don't have any real uh, say in the bargaining of like royalties now that the UFC does a lot of licensing with you guys' name and likeness um, and, and the fact that you guys are not even eligible for pensions that like some NFL players can eventually earn. Like, what can be done on that end? Now, in the past when we've talked about this, it's kind of just been, you know, vague. But now there's multiple people on multiple fronts saying, hey, let's organize fighters and actually ask for different things. Some are asking for legislation to be covered in the Ali Act. Some are asking for class action lawsuits. Some are asking just for increased pay and pensions and, and the collective bargaining. I mean, can anything more than hoping be done uh, as far as you're concerned as an athlete? Or are you kind of resigned to like, well, I probably don't have much of a ch- organizing with other fighters may not help me. Uh, well, so there's, there's, there's two pieces to this. There's, there's the piece for me as an individual, hmm. right? Which, you know, I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be fighting for. You know what I mean? I'm definitely, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Like when I first got in the UFC, I was 20 or 21, right? So now I am, you know, 32. So... You know, the, what I want is a 32-year-old is different than what a 21-year-old wants. You know, like the, the 21-year-old me wants very different things than a 32-year-old me. So, and that's just me, how I've changed over time. You know, never mind what all these different guys are, are thinking. You know, like every fighter I've met are so drastically different in lifestyle and what they do and what's important for them and, and what they want out of a contract and how they want to be. Like everyone is completely different, you know. With the exception of, of course, everyone across the board wants more money. Every single person, like, you want more money for your job. Sure. Like my, my wife, she's a nurse. She busts her butt. I think she should be paid better. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is the going rate for what nurses get paid. And it's the same thing with fighters. You know, I think people always want to compare us to, like, oh, guys in the NFL, guys in this, guys in that. You know, but it's, it's a different demand. You know, it, it, it all comes down to, you know, 
cost and demand and, and all that other stuff, you know? I would love to, and people always say, like, you know, I come off as, like, I'm, like, anti-fighter and I'm, like, a UFC shill and all that sort of stuff, right? No. Um, I understand where I am. I understand the UFC is my, my boss. I understand, uh, you know, that, that they they pay me, they write my checks, they deal with everyone accordingly how they, they, they deal with the UFC, right? So uh, I try to always do the pro-UFC about everything. You know, like, they're my boss. I'm not going to go and talk trash about them. Um, and if there's something that I think that maybe is not the best, then I don't talk about it, right? But people think, oh, the second I say anything, like, oh, I'm 100% UFC. No, but if I didn't think it, I wouldn't say it, mm-hmm. right? So if you ask me a question on an answer, and I felt like it was kind of bad for you. I just wouldn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would, you know, kind of circle around to something else. That being said, I'm very happy with what I did. Um, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, a top 10 guy, right? I'm, you know, I, I've been in there a couple times. But just unfortunately, you know, I, I get to that big fight and I, I, I screw up. You know, something something goes wrong, whether it's a bad camp or a bad fighter or whatever. You know what I mean? But but I, I, I'm very happy with how I get paid. Uh, I think I'm in a good spot. Um, you know, I think everyone wants, like I said, everyone wants more money, but the, the UFC has done a lot that, you know, these other shows haven't done. You know, all these other shows now trying to come in, trying to, you know, steal fighters to do this and do that, you know, but the UFC has done like all the, all the to get, to get, you know, all this acceptance and get all this attention and everything else. Um, I think that all of these different unions that are popping up, I think, honestly, I think it's, it's mostly it's a money grab for whoever's involved. You know, I think that, you know, everyone's all like, of course, everyone wants more money. So everyone's going to side with like one of the six different, you know, groups that are saying, we want to get the fighters this, we want to get the fighters that, blah, 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 right? But everyone that's in, every, like, each of these groups, they're going to make it money somehow. Like, they're, they're, no one's doing this 100%. Like, oh, I'm going to volunteer my time and my effort, and I'm not going to take a dime. It's 100% about the fighters. It doesn't work like that. You, know, you get these guys that are lawyers or whatever else, and everyone's trying to get a piece, right? And everyone loves to say, like, everyone loves to say, oh, you're the victim. You need to get more. We should go and get you more. You're like, maybe I do deserve more. Yeah, let's let's go do that. But there's like six different guys that are all trying to do that. You know, um, is it that uh, the MMAAA or something like that? Yeah, that that fell apart for like three days. We went from having you know George St. Pierre, Cowboy, Dan Velasquez, TJ Dillashaw, uh, freaking Kim Kennedy. Yeah. Everyone's all like, yeah, this we do this right, and it all sounded good. It all sounded great. You know, we want to get you know long-term, uh, you know, some kind of pension from fighters. We want to get health care. You know, we want to get more money, blah, blah, blah. Okay, awesome. Everything sounds great, right? And then in the course of three days, George St. Pierre is back in negotiation with the UFC. Cowboy's backing off. Uh, Tim Kennedy's like, oh, I don't like Bjorn. You know what I mean? It's like, so now you have like, you know, you have like six fighters, and now three of them have all backed up. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that was just, and that's one. You know, every, every organization is going to be like this. So it's like, I think that, you know, something has to happen. But I think honestly, I think it's going to be everyone's going to get it's going to be the UFC is going to realize you know what we need to you know of course you know I don't think that maybe these six different groups are all going to give a little bit of pressure the UFC is going to you know do more with that split themselves. Hmm. But I think that I think that the move you know what I mean like the you know the, they bought the UFC not to dump all kinds of money to already made on everyone because they want to make money they want to make money with the UFC you know and how they're going to do that I don't really know um, you know like I'm sure they have some master plan to make up that four billion dollars. But uh, I don't know, you know, whether it's you know, they go public with a company or they do something. But as that happens, I think that's when it gets better for the fighters. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, overall, I think the fighters will get a better split. All the records and all the numbers will be more public and changes will happen. You know, I think if it's, if it's real, the fighters are getting 8% right now and the, co- the company's making 92, then I think that, you know, eventually when the public, when the company goes public or, or something along those lines, I think that's all going to come to light and that's going to drastically change. And I think that's when things will get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for now, you know, I, 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 I think it's everyone's trying to get a piece, and six different people all trying to get the same piece, and I, I just think they're all going to fight together. Well, thanks for going into that stuff. And I know it's 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 extremely difficult, probably, for an, an active fighter to to talk about that stuff. And I appreciate you taking uh, extra time with us as well. I, I, before I let you go, Joe, I do want to talk about this next fight. Uh, not a lot of um, fans and aren't hardcore fans may know much about your opponent. I'm sure at this point you know a ton about your opponent. Um, I, I, I don't know what the UFC matchmakers were, were hoping for when they put it together. Maybe they're hoping for two amazing um, jiu-jitsu guys going at it and giving us a thrilling grappling uh, uh, match. But it's it's January 15th, right? Relatively uh, relatively short notice in, in Phoenix. What are, you, what are your impressions of, uh, of your opponent? And uh, without obviously revealing your game plan, uh, what's your guys' mindset heading into it? Uh, you know, I, I, so I, I'm not even sure how you say his last name. I've heard it like six different ways. I'm not sure if it's Martian or if it's Marcin or Marcin or... Neither am I. The Polish guy, Marcin, I, I'm going to call him Marcin. There you go. Marcin held uh, Polish guy. Uh, he fought Diego. Uh, I think he came over from Bellator. And, you know, they tossed him right in the fire with Diego right off the bat. And now they're, they're talking about me. You know? So I get the impression that they don't really like him very much. They don't want him to do very well. Um, but, you know, I, when, when I, asked, I asked Joe Silva, because I, I, I'd seen, like, the gif online of him getting a close guillotine on Diego. Uh, and then I knew Diego won a decision. And so I asked Joe Silva, you know, when, when he texted me about it, I'm like, dude, I'm like, so, you know, I'm like, this is what I think of, you know, this is, like, my rough understanding of the guy. You know, tell me if I'm right. I said, you know, really good grappler. Uh, I know he's a, I know he's a good football guy. He's good at football, uh, but good grappler, good football guy. Um, <laughs> decent stand up, but not great. Decent wrestling, but not great. Uh, you know, and you know, and, and Joe Silva's like, I expect an awesome grappling match, hmm. an awesome fight on the ground. You know, and and for me, that's exciting. That that sounds like a fun fight. You know, like I think it. You know, I'm uh, I'm always about finishes. You know, whether it's you know a knockout, whether it's by submission, whatever it's going to be. The last thing I want to see is I don't mind a fight to go through the decision. Like they developed fight, we were all over each other. We beat the crap out of each other. That's a good fight to me. That's an exciting fight. Uh, but I don't want to see a fight where a guy hits a takedown and lays on you in half guard for you know 15 minutes. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be a grappling scrap. It really does. You know, um, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I, it seems like I, I I never get to fight grapplers. I always fight guys that are you know great at stand up and and uh, you know my entire camp is, re- is revolved around you know trying to you know take away their stand up and hit my takedowns and stuff like that. Whereas now it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a little bit of the opposite. You know, we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna try to punch it a little bit. You know, we're, we're definitely gonna, you know, hit our hit some takedowns and, and beat them up on the ground. You know, but um, but we're more worried about the ground stuff and less worried about the stand up stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different for us. You know, uh, the other thing too is uh, my last like like my last like two years pretty much I fought all southpaws for whatever reason the UFC throws every southpaw on that. You know, so we get to we get to fight a righty, which is nice for a change. That's true. That's such a big. I don't think uh, fans having a, a super great appreciation unless they uh, train and compete as well. The type of differences there are uh, when you're fighting a southpaw, which is just more rare. I guess like baseball fans might appreciate that, right? Like when they switch out a, a pitcher, um, you know, uh, when, when a left-handed hitter comes up, that you know, they'll they'll put a. Uh, they might switch a picture just for that matchup. Those types of things really matter, like in, in fighting, like the counters and stuff. Um, so yeah, no, that, I hadn't thought about that, Joe. But you're right. You've been fighting a ton of, ton of southpaws, so you're gonna have to adjust back to uh, orthodox dudes now. But at least it'll be easier to find training partners. Yeah, yeah, definitely way easier to find training partners. <laughs> uh, you know, but 
but, but it'll be fun. You know, it, it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to change things up. You know, I, I like fighting different guys because every every camp, you know, we, we focus on a few things that, you know, we got to really kind of be concerned about, worry about. And, and overall, my game gets much, much better because of that, because we're fighting all these different guys. Hmm. So I'm excited for that. You know, I'm going to get to fight. Uh, you know, I'm going to get to train for, you know, a really, really good grappler. Uh, and a guy that likes footlocks and stuff like that. And you know, I think I think it'll be a lot of fun. I really do. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. Um, I don't know where we are on the card. I saw a, hmm. a promo video that DJ and Gare as the main event, and they mentioned us. So I don't know if we're co-main or something, but that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm pumped. I was originally, when they originally asked about the fight, they were asking about for the, I think the one that was in Sacramento, that uh, I think it got moved. Yep. So they I think that so this one is uh, I think the fifteenth, but it was going to be they originally asked for January twentieth in Sacramento against oh. Martian. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm down, let's do it. I'm like, you know, but I would love to fight on the same card as DJ. That's and, what uh, I was going to ask you about like, next, Joe. You know, you obviously he was your coach yep. on the Ultimate Fighter. You you lived and trained uh, early in your UFC career out in, in Hawaii with BJ Penn. He's he's one of your uh, he, he's one of your um, your, your fighting idols. How excited are you to fight on the same card as, as BJ? And have you talked with him? Uh, you know, I, I'm pumped about it. You know, I, I think my boxing coach Steve Mays is even more excited than I am. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, I'm gonna get on the." He's, you know, when we're talking about the fight. He's like, "Oh, he's like, it's the wrong week. You should have been on the card with BJ." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I know. Like, you know, we, we can try. You know, I, I don't know the guy, but we can definitely try." And then, uh, you know. Uh, you know, so I asked Joe Silva, you know, oh, you know, like, you know, we'll do, we'll do it on the 20th, you know, but we would love to be on the, the 15th, you know, with, with BJ. And, uh, and he's like, oh, I don't, I don't think I have any space on that card. I'm like, all right, you know, well, you know, I forget that ask, but, you know, like, we're, we're down either way. And then Joe Silva texted me back a couple of days. He's like, you go, you want. You're on that card with BJ. And then I heard, like, the next day, like, the, the 20th was basically canceled and they moved all the fights to other, uh, other cards. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's, it's awesome. You know, I, I texted BJ. Uh, or, he, or he texted me. He texted me about it first. And uh like, hey, we're on the same card. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we both just got to stay healthy now. Like, no injuries, no getting hurt. Like, I'll do everything. I'm, like, I'm going to be a bubble wrap. You do the same thing. <laughs> he said, he said, I had, said he had a, I, uh, I had a helo promise that he would stay healthy and, and ready to go. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. Uh, your, your first your first ever UFC fight, even before you had a relationship with him, was, was on... Was on the on the same card as BJ Penn too, huh? Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in Anaheim. Yep, that's crazy. Uh, he fought. He fought. Wait, that night? Yeah, it was it was their second fight. Yeah, where he injured his rib. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's yep. so cool, man. It's so cool to see that come come full circle. Um, Joe, we're gonna let you go, man. But uh, Joe Lozon, uh, he's, he's got another fight coming up. You never want to miss this fight. Another fight coming up against Marcin Held. It should be a, a fantastic grappling match among two really great elite grapplers. January fifteenth in Phoenix, Arizona. Joe, where can folks find more about you? Uh, so basically, uh, what's that? JoeLozon.com, and then it's the same thing. I, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Uh, if you're local to, to Massachusetts, uh, I have a gym in Easton. Well, on mixed martial arts. I have another gym we just opened here, training center in Carver, Mass. Uh, all over the place. That's phenomenal. Well, Joe, thanks so much. Best of luck with the rest of camp. I really appreciate you being on the X Rounds podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. You got it, sir. Take care. All right, get to it. All right. That was Joe Lozon, um, UFC lightweight. 
star. Uh, he's been in the UFC now for over 10 years. He's got his next fight after a tough loss to Jim Miller, a uh, tough decision loss. He's got a next fight against a young prospect. He's really looking forward to it. And he's going to be fighting on the same card as, as one of his fighting heroes, BJ Penn, who he trained with. Um, it was coached by um, early in his UFC career. So that's going to be super exciting. It's January 15th, I believe an FS1 card, I believe. Double check it at uh, UFC.com. January 15th in Phoenix. Um, really always a good time to talk with uh, with, with Joe. Um, he's always uh, super forthcoming. And, uh, yeah, if you are local or if you're visiting, you definitely got to get to his gym. I haven't been to his new gym, uh, but I have uh, been out and trained at his uh, Lausanne Martial Arts uh, twice. And uh, Joe's also been down, happened to be down one time in 2012 for uh, an amateur fight of mine and, and helped me prepare a little bit. Uh, he's a phenomenal instructor, and he's it's a type of, type of gym where you're not – you're not just getting a branded name, right? You don't just have a, a fighting star's name on the gym. Uh, I was out at his gym his final week of camp before he fought Takanori Gomi, and Joe was still teaching classes during his final week of camp, while cutting weight and all that. So if you go and you train in Lozon Martial Arts, you're, you're going to be taught by Joe Lozon, which is a pretty pretty cool thing. So if you're out in the Boston area, uh, Boston sub- suburbs area, you definitely want to check out uh, Joe Lozon's gyms. Um, I'm Elias Abella. I've been here uh, with Richard off camera and with Joe Lozon on, on the phone, but uh, otherwise solo. been missing Mike Dice, my co-host. Hopefully he'll be back next week. He's been convalescing, uh, getting that, that energy bar up to up to full speed. And uh, uh, Mike, if you're listening now, man, looking forward to uh, hanging with you and, and getting the party rocking and rolling with you again next week. Everyone, thanks so much for uh, for listening and watching the live stream. If you watch the live stream, if if uh, you'd like to uh, listen elsewhere, you can do that any number of ways. We're on iTunes, we're at uh, Google Play, and the Google Play Store, the X Rounds Podcast. Search for that just about anywhere you uh, you get your uh, your podcast, the Extra Rounds Podcast, and you can find us. And you can subscribe, which is awesome, because um, then you don't have to remember it just comes into your stream and if you like us please please uh, uh, give us uh, the best reviews you can on itunes uh, give us five stars if you dig us and uh, always feel free to to send in questions um, our way and um, we also have uh, a voicemail line um oh goodness i forgot the uh forgot the number michael be back with that next week but we're always here listening to your voicemails we play them on the air if you send in a fun question uh but just, yeah let us know what you think let us know who you want to have on the show, and uh, please keep watching and keep listening. So, again, this has been Elias Sepeda for X Rounds Podcast. On behalf of, behalf of my co-host, Mike Dice, who will be in next week, thank you so much for watching and listening. Have a great rest of the week, guys.